quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Communicate with them. Keep them in the loop. That investor will more likely trust you further through your level of communications and your honesty versus the smoke and mirrors you could put out there or going dark on them, God forbid, and not telling them anything. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. What is going on, Best Ever community? This is Matt Faircloth here, and we've got yet another episode coming at you for the Best Ever podcast. And I'm excited for this episode. Maybe a little bit of personal affinity for this one because the book I wrote for Bigger Pockets called Raising Private Capital, a lot of that concept technology is going to be in today's episode. I should mention that the book was also forward written by our good friend who you might have heard of, Joe Fairless. I'm the best ever brand, of course, is the author of the forward for that book and super grateful to have him as a friend and a, as a column co-author of the beginning of that book, along with Pace Morby, who just wrote the intro for the newly revised edition. So excited for today's conversation because we're going to talk about bringing money into your deals. We had another episode that you might want to check out here on the Best Ever Show talking about building up your investor database, getting attention to your company before you have deals. And that's something that I want to underscore again, that if you didn't listen to that episode, you should, because too many people I talk to are out there looking for money for their deals, and they've only started to build their investor relations business. They've only started to build their investor outreach and build their network of people that want to give them money once they have a deal. And that is likely what I would say the largest mistake that most capital raisers or business owners that are raising capital for whatever it is they've got, that's the biggest mistake they make. Because the onboarding process for an investor, the journey to get an investor to trust, and then after they trust you, they get excited to work with you. To get them to that level of excitement tends to take longer than you're going to have as a capital raiser for a deal. And unfortunately, a seller and a broker selling you an apartment complex is not going to wait the months and months and months it might take for you to get your capital game together. So it is imperative for you to begin those capital conversations well before you've got an opportunity. So today's show is going to pretend that you've done those things, that you've got yourself a list of folks that love you and like and trust you for who you are and trust you and are excited to do business with you. And that prior episode is about how to build that list. So today's episode is going to assume that you've got a good, reasonable list of people that are excited about you and that want to work with you. So with that caveat, that asterisk, let's say, I'd like to bring in my co-host for today, who is, is a man that I hold high regard, high respect for, my good friend, Vinny Celeste. Vinny, how are you today? Great. I'm always looking forward to these conversations, not only because it's a topic I love, but we're usually talking on a Friday when we're filming these things. So happy Friday. Glad to talk about this. It's, I'm looking forward to diving in for sure. Selfishly, Vinny, I always just seem to feel better on Fridays. I don't know. Maybe all podcasts and all webinars and all these things should be done on Friday because that's just when the energy is really high and everything like that. Right? The sun is shining. The grass is a little greener today. It's, uh, it yeah. sure is. Yeah. Grass is a little greener on a Friday, isn't it? Anyway, guys, Vinny, Celeste, and I have raised millions of dollars together. And he is what I would view to be one of the industry experts out there, somebody holding high respect when it comes to 
investor relations and building interfaces. And, and I've used this term about Vidi before, is that he's an architect of the investor relations process. And he's able to systematize these things. He's not like a killer salesperson. What he is, is he's able to build systems that killer salespeople can be super successful in. Work with him for a while now. So I'm super excited for today's conversation, Vinny. So thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join the best ever audience and have a best ever conversation on raising some best ever money. What do you think? You ready to hop in? Yes. Thanks for having me. Sweet. So Vinny, we're talking a bit about today's economy, but we're also not. Because although times have changed and we are in a time now where the market's different and deals are different and pricing's different and interest rates are different, cap rates are different, right? First of all, all those things change all the time. So what I believe is that investors' overall long-term desires, what really matters to an investor hasn't changed that much. The market's certainly changed. And one thing I think that's changed a bit is that investors level for conservatisms and their affinity for risk has certainly gone down. And that just goes up and down with markets. If you're in like an up market, people tend to be a little more risk tolerant. If you're in a down market, people tend to be a little more risk averse. But aside from that, Vinny, when you're putting a deal on the market, let's discuss what really matters to investors. What do you think? And Vinny talks to probably more investors than most folks do in interfaces and everything like that. So Vinny, when you're talking to a new investor or someone that's been with the company for a little bit, what are some things that you hear that matter to them when you're talking to them? That's a great question. And I think this is going to become kind of a through line of our conversation. I can see. I love what you said in the beginning of this conversation. It's kind of remarkable when you think about it, the level of trust required to enter into this business and to convey any sort of investment to an operator, what we're talking about doing could take sometimes years. So there's an incredible amount of trust. So what I think, and what we were saying never has changed is that good feeling, right? It's kind of that intangibles that you get when you're having a conversation with someone who's able to express the benefits of this offering and what it's going to do, but also as demonstrated, just good ethics. So I think that's probably not where we were expecting the answer to go, but I think that common and really important thing, getting beyond the numbers and just to the core of the business, that's really, I think, one of the most important things possible. The deal's got to feel good. It's got to feel safe. It's got to feel good. It's got to be one of these things where it, it feels like, not like too good to be true, because I've been approached by things that seem too good to be true. And maybe they could be phenomenal. Maybe they could be great investments. But if people think that things are too good to be true or that either the stars have to align for money to be made or that the returns are being quoted by the offer are so outperforming of what standard market performances are that it's like, well, how are they able to do that, right? And as you said, that it's got to feel and smell like an ethical thing. It's hard to quantify this thing with like a KPI or something like that, but it's got to pass a sniff test. Got to make sense. And you have to make sense in all of it. So I think so important. And I know we're going to get into a little bit about structuring the deal and what makes it a good tangible thing. But I think there are some other intangibles like liquidity. People really care about that, especially now just with volatility and and the economy in general. People really care about some of these other things beyond the return. That goes back to the ethics and how you're going to that investor and their money throughout the relationship. 
You mean if I tell an investor that their money's going to be locked up for 10 years and there's no chance they could ever touch it or ever get it back for the next 10 to 15 years or something like that, that may be a concern. Because I think that in a changing economy, the ability for an investor to be somewhat nimble is interesting. And that liquidity that Vinny's referring to could come through a refinance. So maybe your deal is going to refinance in the next couple of years. Maybe your refi proceeds should be plausible on what you're telling folks you're going to get. So maybe you're telling, I'm going to refi and get you all your money back. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. With rates being where they are and everything like that, maybe you should be a little more conservative with those numbers. But either here nor there, right? Liquidity could mean a sale. It could mean a capital event like a refinance or something like that. Or it could mean structuring deals in a whole nother way that there is liquidity built in. There are forward thinking syndicators. Maybe one of them is listening to this show right now that wants to be a industry pioneer that wants to design in liquidity further into syndications. That's something that DeRosa, our company, is working on right now on how to make a apartment building syndication a bit more liquid than it is now. So that is something that is a factor in a changing economy, the ability to be nimble. What I would also put on top of these things are, are the tangible numbers, Vinny, and that is cash flow. Cash flow has not mattered as much in the 2000 teens and even up through 2020 cash flow has not mattered as much because we were in a rising economy. So it was not unheard of for an operator to put a deal on the market that was producing 15, 16% IRR. And more than three quarters of that was going to hit when the property sold. Meaning, okay, we're going to buy this property. We're all going to hold our breath for a little while. And we're going to make money when the property recapitalizes or sells or whatever that may be. It was very common. I should put a disclaimer on this show a bit, Vinny, but there's going to be a bit of Matt's opinion on these things. And that's just the way that it goes, I guess. But it's almost like there should be a disclaimer, like the views and opinions of Matt Faircloth and not necessarily views and opinions. <laughs> but Matt's opinion is that cash flow is going to matter more over the next five years than appreciation does. So I think that the investor base is going to be less tolerant of a deal that produces Zilcho for the first two, three, four years, and then magic fairy dust gets sprinkled upon the deal and it refinances and magically it starts making cash flow, it starts making money or something like that three to four to five years from now. I think that the deal that produces maybe meager or modest cash flow in the first year is going to have more investor affinity than the deal that produces nothing. So even if that were cash flows in the mid to low single digits, but then you can show me how it's going to increase over time. I think that cash flow is going to matter more now. On top of that, I get asked all the time by our students in our accelerator program and those in the industry, well, what IRR do you have to have? Well, that's a market number. There's no law that says thou shalt give your investors 15% IRR or the SEC is going to show up if you give your investors a 13% IRR instead of a 15. It's a market number. It's a projection. It's a forward thinking number. You're asking the operator literally to pull out their crystal ball and tell you what they think the deal is going to do. But what I can tell you is that the short answer is there is no rule of thumb or whatever, but I can tell you that industry standard, what we see and what we believe investors get excited about is deals that are producing in the mid to high teens. So let's say 15 being the high median there the high point of the bell curve and some deals producing above in IRRs and some deals, it's okay. You can quote less than 15% IRR and investors might not run for the hills if you can show them a deal that cash flows. 
So somewhere with that 15 being the high point of the bell curve is the IRR that I think that that's what investors want to see. I love that you give like an actual answer here. I love the caveat in the, in the beginning, but an actual, you know, answer <laughs> to it so that people can go and do some underwriting and try to put some stuff together. I hope folks heard enough asterisks on that. And one more thing that when you're quoting numbers to investors in getting equity in today's market, make sure that an investor can pull out their handy dandy calculator and validate your numbers. You can't have a smoke and mirror presentation that just says cash flow is going to be 9%, IRR is going to be 15%. Here's who you make the check out to. You can't do that. Maybe that worked back in the day, but it does not work as much anymore if it ever did at all. You should be prepared to send your investors backing for those numbers. There are some investors that are going to just like and trust you for whatever reason that they do, maybe because they've been with you for a while or make a long list of why they do. But there's other investors they are going to want to trust but verify, and they're going to want to validate your numbers, and they're going to want to see. We've sent our investors Excel spreadsheets of our financials, of our performance and stuff like that. And some folks love it. I'm not one of these folks, but some folks love Excel. They just do. They just get excited. They're like, oh man, I get to spend two hours on a spreadsheet. That sounds awesome. That's not me. <laughs> but some folks do qualify in our superpower assessment as a brain. Uh, it's something we've talked about in other episodes here. So those brain qualifier people, they're analysts in their blood. They love the deets, love the details. So they may want to put your deal in the oven and see if they can stress test it a bit or whatever it may be, right? Then I know you deal with a lot of investors. So your thoughts on that? You're exactly right. This is something we can definitely get into talking to investors and building that trust, understanding the language of the person on the other side of the table is really, really important. And we're very happy to just be transparent with the financials. And I look forward to it because we're going to get a really direct question about this line item of the pro forma. And it's a very black and white type of response. So absolutely. There's all sorts of different approaches towards analyzing these opportunities and you have to meet the investor where they are and what they want to hear and how they want to hear it. And it's all part of that for sure. Well, let's touch on this. This is slightly off script, so to speak, but it matters. And this is something you and I talk about all the time that there are a few things that matter to investors and different investors. These things matter more or less than others. And here they are. I can't stress this enough. Some investors care a lot about one of these things. Some investors care a lot about others of these things. They're not equal to investors, but the factors that matter to a LP investor are as follows. Number one, why real estate? And that may seem as a shocker for somebody listening to the Best Ever podcast. Wait, these people don't realize that investing in real estate is the absolute best thing ever? It's as simple as putting a shirt on, right? It's what you have to do. It's you have to invest in real estate. Yes. But believe it or not, folks, there are people out there that did not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There are people out there that are not familiar with the benefits that real estate has. There are people out there in the world, in your network, in your own cell phone listener, that have a lot of money that could get untapped in their IRA account, in their personal cash, that are looking for a better way, but don't realize that real estate is a way that they could achieve their financial goals. So why real estate could get answered by you being a teacher and teaching them as to why real estate is phenomenal of a great place to invest from a tax perspective, from cash flow, from appreciation, from making a difference in the world through your investment money, through all those things, real estate is a great investment. And believe it or not, I'm being a little facetious here, but it's true because we operate in a little bubble, don't we, Vinny? The real estate investors tend to operate in an eco chamber and we all think that people think that the world thinks the way that we do. They don't. 
And so there are many, many folks in your network that could be super, super avid investors and super excited about you if they understood that what you do can help them. Your thoughts? I think you're exactly right. And we make the mistake often of just kind of starting from chapter three of why this opportunity is a good opportunity without explaining why, while the industry is a good industry and like the sector is a good sector. Now, listen, are you talking to somebody who's invested in four syndications and you're their fifth syndication they're going to invest in? Not for nothing, they already know. Okay. So when you're talking to a new investor or when you're presenting a deal, you certainly want to touch on why real estate, but you want to make sure you know who you're talking to and that they understand the benefits that real estate investing has. Beyond that, going through them, why you? Okay, got it. I've drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak. I'm going to invest in real estate, but why your company? Why should I invest with your firm? Why should I invest with you individually? Can I trust you? You go steal my money? No, I'm not going to steal your money. And you have to prove to them that you are a trustworthy firm and you know what you're doing and maybe not steal their money, but you're not going to lose it. Or you'd be a good custodian of their funds while they're invested in your deal. So that is something that is a concern, a question they may have. And that's really where they're going to do things like LinkedIn stalk you. They're going to Google your company. They're going to read up on you and everything like that. So that is another factor. And I'll just speed around through the other ones, Vin. Some investors want to know why that market. So if I'm coming at you with Tampa, Florida, or if I'm coming at you with Dallas, Texas, I could list all the markets, right? Austin or for DeRosa Group, why the Piedmont Triad in North Carolina? Why Lexington, Kentucky? Why Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Why those places? And you as the operator need to be prepared in your offering memorandum and in your conversations with investors to tell them maybe not why those are the best markets ever, because I'm not a believer that there's one market that is the best. There's no best ever market. It's true. There's not one best ever market, but there are good markets that are going to meet your investment philosophy that match with the investment thesis that you as the investment operator have. And there are those that don't. I actually submit that there is a way to make money in every market in the US. It's just, you got to have the right plan. There are people making money in every market. Okay. So Vinny, let's do a mock scenario here and give some tools alongside. So let's pretend you and I are on a team and we're about to buy a hundred unit apartment building and we're going to need to go and raise, let's make up a fun number, $7 million for a hundred unit apartment building. And we're trying to come up with a plan. So what are some first initial tactics that we have to discuss to be effective in this? And this is a, yet again, guys listening, assuming Vinny and I already have a reasonable list of investors that have been kept warm and that are in good contact with the company and are excited to do business with us once we've got an offering. So then next steps, got the deal, now what? We have to take a real honest look at that list of investors and the nourishment. And I'll go off really quick on a tangent. Before items matches listed before, those are great ways to build your list, provide that education. I'll leave that there because there's a whole other episode on it. Um, <laughs> we have to take a real honest look at that list and understand how we're going to raise capital. Some people can send one Instagram post, one email, and they raise $7 million. Other folks, it's a full campaign with webinars, multiple things. And we have to take a real honest look at how we're going to market this. And that will really dictate on how we'll set up the legal and really the back end. I know we can get really into the weeds on how we set these things up, but I think it's all a result of that conversation on how easy it's going to be or not easy to raise the $7 million. Absolutely. And I think that in essence, where are we as a company? What's realistic? What would best and worst case scenario look like? If you're in a situation where just a couple of social media posts is going to get you 7 million bucks, God bless. There are folks that are there. Maybe that's not you. That's not us at DeRosa either. 
there is a full marketing plan we have to put together. So let's pretend that that's you, that you've got to put together a full marketing campaign to go get the dollars you need. The first thing that you got to do from a granular standpoint is very early in the game. You should decide if you're going to go 506B or 506C. Very briefly, if I'm going 506B, again, this is a legal term. And just briefly, guys, talk to your lawyer because Vinny and I are not lawyers. And we're also not giving legal advice. Isn't that a fun little disclaimer there? But what 506B is, Vinny, but what it is is a exclusion that you get to go to the SEC and say, hey, guys, my deal does not need a full registration with you as a security, and it's excluded because of 506B. So, Vinny, what does 506B say that I can do? How do I achieve that exclusion? So 506B, and this is exactly where I was going with this, with the marketing and raising capital for this. 506B allows you to raise capital from your non-accredited investor database, except with the caveat that you have to have a documented pre-existing business relationship with that investor prior to the transfer of funds. Now, again, it seems like the definition of that is subject to the operator. For us, there's a very high barrier. We want to talk to you, have a recorded conversation. Some folks would say that if you're a follower of me on social media, we've got a documented pre-existing relationship. Run that by a lawyer, guys. I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm not a lawyer, but I'll tell you, my lawyer doesn't say that's a pre-existing relationship, right? We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. A 1031 exchange is one of the greatest tools to build your real estate portfolio. But before you sell your next investment property, if you want to save thousands in capital gains taxes, please give our friends at 1031 Pros a call. Whether you're an individual investor, title company, or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help you or your clients with their 1031 exchange needs. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros specializes in various types of exchanges like delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states, all while ensuring your transaction is fast, reliable, transparent, and secure. 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges. And right now, best ever listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash best ever. That's my1031pros.com slash best ever to get $250 off today. Have you heard that Mint, the popular personal finance app, is shutting down? If you use Mint, that's bad news. The good news is that there's an even better alternative. Monarch Money. Monarch gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with others. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. Most personal finance apps are clunky and cluttered with ads. Monarch is different. Its intuitive design makes setup, customization, and everyday use simple and easy. Monarch is also the most customizable budgeting app available. You can change your dashboard layout, create custom budgets and notifications, and even invite your partner, accountant, or financial advisor to have a joint view of your finances at no extra cost. Once you try Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it was named 2024's best budgeting app by the Wall Street Journal. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash best ever for your extended 30-day free trial. The other option is a 506C, and that means you can accept money from only accredited investors. And you can do a thing that we're, Vinny and I are alluding to called solicitation. And that means I can walk up to Vinny on the street and say, you accredited? You want to invest in an apartment building? Come on over here. 
And that is in essence what I believe you're doing when you put a post on social media. Because you really don't have a pre-existing documented relationship with folks that you have on social media, do you? Can you list them all name by name? Did you go to high school with them? No. So under 506C, you're allowed to do solicitations, which is more broad-based marketing for your deal. Bottom line, guys, decide which one you want to do early, and that will either open or close opportunities for you with regards to how you want to market the deal. A large percentage of the investor base of folks that would like to invest in a deal are non-accredited. It is what it is. So maybe I've got more money I could raise from non-accredited if I could open up that door for myself. Many non-accredited investors keep their wealth in IRAs, of which, Vinny, there is $10 trillion, with a T of dollars available for investment purposes in IRAs only, not 401ks, 10 trillion available that could get unlocked for anything. Then on the other hand is the entire world, which is a lot more than that, that could be made aware of your deal if you've got a good marketing campaign. You as the operator need to decide under which umbrella you want to move forward, 506B, 506C. Once you've decided that, Vinny, I've got my deal here and I've got my conversations that I've already talked about here that address why real estate why your company, why that market, wherever that market is, and why that deal. I've developed a good marketing strategy to answer those questions to my base. What's the next move that I make here? I still need my 7 million bucks. What do I do next? It's time to start <laughs> telling people about it. And that's why the conversation 506B or 506C has to happen before this, because who you're allowed to tell and how you're allowed to tell them is dependent. So now it's time to start telling people about it. And the best way to do that is to build mystique, build anticipation around the deal, build the excitement around the opportunity. We call this a teaser campaign. And the teaser campaign really is a way to promote an opportunity to learn more about this specific investment opportunity. Interesting. You got to get your market excited about it. And there's certain human psychology games you got to play. It is what it is. I wish that I could just put a post out to all my email databases and stuff like that to say, I've got a deal. I'm going to be talking about it on this day. Come join me. Unfortunately, human psychology doesn't work like that. People want to be excited about things. So there are certain things you can do to get people excited to come hear what you have to say. The best marketing vehicle that we know of in a means to get a bunch of people all in one place to hear about what you got is a webinar. So just about everybody that I know of is raising capital via webinars for their deals. So do what the cool kids are doing, do a webinar. That is the way you raise money and the way you get a lot of eyeballs on you all at once is that now what Vinny's talking about about getting the market excited, what we do is we may say, Greensboro, North Carolina, here's a hundred unit that me and Vinny are going to buy is in Greensboro, North Carolina. And maybe I'll show a brief picture of the building or just say like, come to learn more. I'm going to fill up fast. Typical marketing terms you hear people make. You get people excited about your opportunity. Maybe don't tell them everything. And that's the biggest mistake I hear people do is that in your emails and in your marketing that you send out, you can't tell everybody everything there is to know. You don't want people to make their decisions before they even get a chance to talk to you. So you want them to register for your webinar so that they can learn everything there is to know. Tell them enough to get excited. Hey, this is a great opportunity. Here's why I love it. I love that market because cash on cash day one or because it's got some other factors, some other unfair advantage, some other tactic that we're going to use or marketing or strategy to make that property achieve the next level of profitability. So disclose a little bit of that, but also don't disclose everything. Save a lot for your webinar so you can really go all in and have a deeper conversation with folks. 
email drips, those kinds of things, the prior episode that we did on marketing and on building lists are going to encourage you quite a bit to get as much contact information on your potential investor base as you have. So you should everybody's email. You should be doing newsletters by now for your email base so that they're in touch with you and they're excited and they're warm. So then when you have a deal, they're already warm. They're already excited. They're already ready to go. So then you start doing an email drip campaign to push people to that webinar. Then Vinny, you and I have been on many, 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 many of a webinar together and some tactics for webinars that you've found have worked. And when you've been on these webinars that you and I have done, what are some key points you want to bring home to the listeners that when they're producing a webinar for their deal and they're addressing those four questions we talked about, what other tips do you have? Why real estate? Why us? Why the deal? Why this market? All need to be answered. And we talked a lot about that stuff. That's all going to make it in the webinar to be really clear. But the whole purpose of the webinar, and as I promised, the through line of all of this is building trust and honest and sincere trust in you, the operator and the business plan. So one thing I would convey really clear is that the webinar should be very clear about how we're going to handle your finances, how we're going to handle your money and what investing with us looks like. So we show really clear pro forma, $100,000 investment looks like this. And we just use a nice round number we showed those cash flows over time, we really need to make it clear on what this does for you. And we hold ourselves accountable to that years down the line throughout the life of the investment. So beyond the four things we discussed, we have to get into the weeds, but into the weeds as concisely and clearly as we possibly can with just a nice chart. People want to know how they're going to get their money back and what this investment could do for them. And one thing I don't think a lot of people spend enough time in, they want to know what's going to go wrong, what could go wrong, how that affects. So our underwriting tool has sensitivity analysis to look at that. And that's what really people want to know. If your exit cap rate, we can get way, way into the weeds here, but the people want to know the market fluctuations that can alter the outcome of this deal and what your break-even occupancy and would this look like at fully occupied and things like that. So show that in as clear as a way as possible and get in front of that conversation of things that could go wrong within your deal. And we at the Rosa used to be like other operators out there to say, we're going to produce 15.37% IRR on this deal. And then cash on cash is going to be 8.19% IRR. But what if it doesn't? And something else happens. That's if everything gets nailed to the absolute letter for everything in that deal, including what the future is going to look like five years from now. So what we do is we quote ranges. It's going to fall within this range. And we think that the IRR is going to fall within this range and cash flow is going to fall within this range as well. And we obviously point to our track record as well. So I recommend that you guys do that kind of thing too. And also give, as Vinny said, sensitivity analysis, meaning if interest rates go up, and if rents decrease, and if we have a super heavy recession or whatever, this is the worst case that can happen. This is the best case that could happen. So as an investor, as an LP, what I want to know is what the worst and best case scenarios are. And likely I'll end up somewhere in the middle, maybe not exactly spot on, but somewhere in the middle. The last thing that when you're doing these webinar presentations is obviously number one, you got to record them. And what we like to do is to ourselves or with a video editor, strip out small portions of that webinar and use it for marketing purposes as well. It's good marketing content. It's you talking about one of your deals, use it. 
use it to email to your investor base. If you're a 506C, take a small portion of it and put it on social. And caveat, this is for accredited investors only, a small portion of it, not the whole thing, right? People are going to watch all your one hour presentation, but they might watch the one minute part where you talk about how great your market is. So free tip, use that. At the end of that webinar, two things should be happening. Number one, obviously, if you're using any type of webinar registration software like Zoom or whatever it may be, you should have the names of all the folks that registered to attend your webinar. So now you've got your list of people that are excited enough about your deal that they click the button to register for your webinar to hear even more about it. So now you're off to the races. Now you got to put your selling hat on and reach out and do some, hey, what did you think? What questions do you have? And then just old-fashioned sales. That's where that part kicks in. And secondly, Vinny, you've worked very hard on this as well, is you've got to architect a really good system that it's easy for people to give you money. Way, way, way years ago at DeRosa, we would just do DocuSign back and forth and have Google Form they would fill out and do a phone call. They're like, okay, how much do I put in? You want to put in 75K? Great. Let me fill this out for you and I'll email you the form. You can do that. But Vinny, what are some systems that you've architected to make the investment process easy enough to where I like to see it's almost Amazonified where people can just literally point and click and invest. What are some tips you have for people to, let's say, Amazonify their investment business when people are to a heck yes, I'm in. It's just that simple. That's so, so important. People made a huge decision to invest with you and we should really cherish that amount of trust. And the last thing you want is there to be any sort of confusion the moment someone makes the mental decision that I'm going to contribute funds to this investment, the second that there's any sort of confusion, it conveys a lack of professionalism. We want that to be as easy as a process as possible. So people feel nervous throughout. The it's just so important. It's the first interpretation, uh, first interaction we're really going to have as partners in this deal. So as far as systems go at the end of the webinar, really what we do is we, we convey a call to action. The call to action goes to a deal room. Now we use a software called InvestNext, which is just so robust and helps us really streamline this process. And so folks are able to head to this deal room, collect more information about the opportunity, but start their investment. And I wouldn't sacrifice that for anything because of the reasons that I just mentioned, but people can click this button, say invest now, initiate their commitment. And that triggers a whole automation on our end that makes sure that we're notified so that we can reach out personally, thank them and congratulate them on the opportunity. And also walk through what being frank is sometimes a cumbersome administrative burden of signing paperwork. We have to handle accreditation requirements, transferring funds. These are all opportunities that could be confusing, but it's also an opportunity to set yourself apart as really professional operator in this business. So that deal room is so important. And then the follow-up that happens afterwards, some of which is automatic because of the systems we built, it really helps nourish people. Absolutely. And one thing I'll just say on top of that, as a syndicator, you will never be the highest priority to your investors. You'll likely never be as high of a priority as they are to you. Life continues to happen. Their desire to invest with you is less important than their job, their kids, everything in life, their vacations, their workout regimen. All these things are all more important to them than your deal. And that might be hard for you to believe. That might be a big bucket of cold water because your deal is the most important thing ever. Oh my goodness, it's so great. But you need to make it easy enough that they can get through this thing easily because the other things that are more important than your deal are going to keep screaming at them. Maybe they got halfway through filling out your paperwork and then they're 
kid came in the room and needed something or their wife called them. Those two things are more important to them as they should be. So you need to make it a easy. And also you might need to go and ping and follow up to make sure they got like, yeah, I only got halfway through that paperwork, didn't I? Or yeah, I didn't send you that investor accreditation certificate, whatever it may be that you need to have the follow through in your systems. I keep using the word architects. Let's just make that the word of the day. Architect the systems to ping them and remind them. Because Vinny, I can't tell you how many times you and I have talked to people like, oh yeah, I did want to do that. I was interested in that deal. What they're saying is, but other life things are more important than your deal. And those things got into my face and your deal kind of fell onto the back burner. And that's okay. It's not that your deal stinks. It's just that you got to get the squeaky wheel in a friendly way. I think we're very cognizant of not being too squeaky. We are very respectful of your inbox and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, this level of support is helpful. A lot of people who receive these emails and follow-up communications are thankful that we did because it's true that they intended to do this. It's true that they were looking for an opportunity to book another call, to learn more one-on-one, -on -one, that sort of thing. And so when you reach out and provide that opportunity to open that door, it just shows that you're being personable and helpful. Correct. The last strategy I'll give you guys before we move on is you got to make sure that there's a sense of urgency because yes, life continues to happen for those investors, but they also need to understand that there is a strong chance that if they don't take action, they will miss out. And that's true. There's not unlimited amount of spots in the syndication deal you got. Like I said, Vinny and I are only raising $7 million for that 100-unit apartment building. That's it. Not $701 million. That's it. You can't get in any further than what our raise target is. And so we will run out of space in the deal. And make sure that your investors are aware of that. And time is also a factor that you can't close whenever you feel like it, that I got to close a month from now, whatever it is. So Vinny, moving on, and this is kind of like the silver bullet here in that, and this is the key to long-term success in syndications. And people tend to forget about this one. I'll let you say it here. This is a tactic you've taught me, not tactic, it's just a fact that you've taught me about raising capital and working with investors and take it home. Yeah, for us, raising capital is more of an investor relations role than it is even a marketing role. And I mean that because it's really important to nourish these relationships our active investors are more likely to reinvest in our funds. And when they do, those conversations happen much faster. It's much easier to get to a yes by maintaining a good relationship. And I'll get into a little bit on how we maintain relationships. But after you've nourished this relationship through a life cycle of a pre-existing deal, those repeat investors are the easier conversations to have for the next time. And also, not only are they more likely to invest, but they're also more likely to invest more than the minimum. So that's the trend that we always see is that people reinvest, but they not only reinvest, but they reinvest and they add to their position and they'll reinvest more and more each time. So that's what I mean is making sure that you're maintaining an open line of communication and good transparent financials for your pre-existing deals and people who worked with you in the past is your best way to raise capital for your next deal. Yep. And it just cannot be more true, guys. So if you take care of your investors, it's so much easier to get additional funds from that investor that likes and trusts you because you're taking good care of them on an existing deal for your next deal than it is to go find a brand new investor. This is important, but I'm not saying you got to smack it out of the park and give them crazy returns and double their money in two weeks or something like that, right? Their affinity to reinvest with you is in some ways based on financial returns, but it is more importantly based on the way you treat them and the systems that you put in place to make things easy for them, the level of communications you put together for them. If you've got a deal and the deal's not going as well as you thought it was going to, tell them, communicate with them, 
keep them in the loop, that investor will more likely trust you further through your level of communications and your honesty versus the smoke and mirrors you could put out there or going dark on them, God forbid, and not telling them anything. Do that. Be transparent and have good customer service. Treat them as customers of yours and treat their money as if you're a custodian of it because you are. And they're more likely to join you again and again and again and again and again. I can tell you that our company, DeRosa, we're very proud of, has more than a 50% repeat investment rate for folks. And those repeat investors are those that have the additional capital. Those that typically don't reinvest with us are those that just didn't have the resources, the means or the IRA account or whatever it is to join us on the next one. And they're just saving up and waiting for the next opportunity. So that's the easiest way to raise 7 million bucks is to go to a group that's already given you 20 and they're already really happy over time. Now, start smaller, obviously, but just take care of your folks long-term and realize, guys, that capital raising is and shall always be a marathon. It is never a sprint, even though it feels like it sometimes when you're trying to get that last million for your deal. Understand, yes, run the sprint. Yes, get it done. But capital raising in the long game, it gets easier over time. And the more you raise and you take good care of people, the easier it's going to get. Vinny, final thoughts, raising capital in today's marketplace or in any marketplace, really. Bring it home for me here. I'm so glad we covered so much here. And I hope one thing that comes through is the word systems. We've been saying that often and a lot. We help people build these systems because it's so important. So my encouragement to everyone listening is whether your next capital raise is your first capital raise or your next capital raise is just your next capital raise, build the system while you're doing it. That time that you're promoting the webinar, build an actual campaign that you can repurpose for the next time and the next time so that you can hone it and improve it every time. Build a robust system for onboarding investors so that you can hone it and build upon it. Don't just have these be one-off emails that you're copying and CCing everyone on, that sort of thing. Right? We have to document this stuff so that we can do it over and over again and life gets much easier. And what I've learned in working with Vinny over the years is that a system is never static. You've always got to look at the system and say, how can I make this better? How can I improve this? How can I work with our investor on our investor relations game and make it even that much more effective? What is something I can do? And Vinny and I are constantly looking at ways that we can keep our investors either more informed or more excited or more whatever it is so that we can achieve the next level, right? So be constantly raising your game on investor relations and that will backdoor aid you with the next time you're raising capital for your deals. Guys, I'm super excited and grateful to be having these conversations with you for the best ever show. If you guys want to hear more about what DeRosa Group has to offer and how we can help operators achieve the next level, go right now to derosagroup.com forward slash best ever. There is an accelerator program that we've got available for select few operators. You may qualify for that program. Not everybody does, but you may qualify for that program to see if we can help you implement a lot of the systems we talked about today and also systems around asset management, around acquisitions, underwriting to help you achieve thousands of thousands of units of acquisition. There is a tsunami of multifamily opportunities that is approaching the market that you need to be prepared for. If you're not prepared for the major shift that's happening in multifamily and your ability to acquire a lot of these deals coming to the pipeline, consider our accelerator program. And we're super excited to be working with the best ever community on that. So grossgroup.com forward slash best ever. Vinny, also always, always, always working with you today, buddy. I really appreciate your insight. And I'll say it one more time, your architecture in the investor relations process and the capital raising game. That's the word of the day. I should maybe get a dollar every time I say that today. I don't know. But Vinny, awesome having this conversation with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.